Welcome to Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. Hello and welcome back. I hope you're having a good day so far. This week I chat to Elizabeth Styles, who is a fashion brand consultant and I chat to Elizabeth about her leap to take her side hustle full time, why it's important for small brands to really connect with their consumer and the rise of ethical fashion. I hope you like it. Hi Elizabeth, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks for coming on. Thanks, no, it was good to see you. I I heard you on another podcast quite recently. I think it was the Kate Ferris one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then I got in touch after that. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you for doing that. So um, for those who don't know you, would you like to kind of introduce yourself and tell us what it is that you do? Yes, so I'm a fashion brand consultant. Um, very recently, so I've been doing it for about five, six months now, but I have been working in the fashion industry for about 12 years now, and I have worked for brands like Next and Miss Selfridge, and then I've also done kidswear for Asda as well. I was on the boys wear team there, uh, managing jersey wear for older boys, which was fun because <laughs> I, I always say like I was had random email titles like should this dinosaur be on a water ski or a skateboard <laughs> like I can't believe I get paid to talk about things like this but, <laughs> um, then from there I went into supplying so you may or may not know like a lot of retailers work with suppliers so they don't actually produce everything themselves they outsource it to separate companies to get a variety of handwriting into their store So I was a design manager at that company, managing the accounts for New Look and River Island mainly for about three years. And then that company set up their own brand called New Girl Order. Okay. Um, And it was so overwhelming, the whole experience. It was very, really intense, really exciting. But there was so much to do. I think that's kind of what sparked my idea to help other people because we had all the contacts, we had all the designers, we had everything you could ever need and it was still hard. And then I thought, wow, there's people out there that are setting up their own brand that don't have all the contacts, that don't have all the knowledge. I mean, how hard must they find it and what if I could help them? So I started putting some messages out into Facebook groups and just asking if anyone needed any help for free in my lunch breaks. I could go and answer some questions and find out what people were struggling with. And I got quite a good response. So I thought, oh, there might there might be something in this. (laughs) And it's literally just spiraled from there and handed my notice in. Uh, before I even had a paying client as well, which was a little bit risky. <laughs> and uh, But I just knew it would work. I just had this gut feeling that I thought, no, there is a market for it and I'm going to make it work. So, yeah. Amazing. So that's, that's really brave, actually, going from that very you know, secure full-time employment to yeah. just taking that leap, not knowing 100% whether you know you're going to get pl- no, clients straight away not 100 no no <laughs> more like 10 <laughs> how did starting your business look like from the beginning I suppose what what kind of were the first steps that you took I would say the first thing was messaging in the Facebook groups just to see if there was a need for it mm-hmm. so I'm also trying to tell that to my clients you know ask around ask Doing if a people bit of would buy it 
yeah, yeah. market research mm-hmm. what what do people struggle with because I study fashion at uni I have always worked in fashion so I know the answers to everything you know and all my friends know the answers to everything so I, I don't know what kind of things people were struggling with at the time and it was anything from costings to finding inspiration, not knowing what direction to go in, um, how to fit things, how to create size charts. It was I just thought, oh, OK, there's all sorts of things that people need help with. And I know the answer to a lot of it. Um, and if I don't know the answer to it, I definitely know somebody who does. So I can introduce people, you know, and help them network. And I then went to a, another Facebook group and saw somebody was launching a website company, sort of developing websites, and she was offering them for half price. So I thought, oh, is this a bit of a sign? Maybe I should just snap her up, you know, mm-hmm. and do it while I can. So I met her and she was just like, do you want a website or not? I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I bought the domain name. And I thought, okay, well, if I've got the elizabethstyles.co.uk, I need to do something with it. And then I booked Sophie Careful to do my photos and to put on this website that I've just created out of nowhere. And started creating some content for it. And yeah, and just kept meeting people, meet, meet, meet new people every single week. And started putting content on my Instagram, uh, sort of a mix between asking people what their problems were and then just telling them little snippets of what I know anyway and that I thought might be helpful to people. And then watching what got engagement and sort of learning from that and expanding on those things. Yeah, that sounds really, really kind of a clever way of doing it. Um, And did you do all of that before you left uh, your full time job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was working quite a long while um so I think it was about nine months that I was doing this while I had a full-time job and I didn't tell anybody at my work either mm-hmm. so it was sort of a bit of a secret weighing on my shoulders and never really sure every time you open your mouth you're like don't mention that you know and <laughs> I just didn't want there wasn't any conflict but I didn't want anybody to think there might be some conflict you know I thought I'd just do it on my own and just keep it to myself and just crack on and I didn't also want people to be like oh that's a bit risky you know and get in my head I just thought I want to do it so if I don't tell anybody nobody could talk me out of it you know (laughs) um yeah I I think I think I think a lot of people find themselves in this uh position where they are in a similar job um Mm. and obviously it is a bit of a that kind of tricky situation where you don't really want to let people know because they could have issues with it even if like legally or you know within the contract there is no kind of conflict as you say but no but you just never know how how your kind of management is going to react I suppose yeah and I yeah like I said I just Oh, my family was super supportive and I thought that that's all I need, you know. Yeah, um, and yeah. I told a few of my friends as well and they were like, oh, you know, it's risky, but if you believe it's going to work, then go for it. And I was I was really lucky in that sense. And I think I might have actually taken it for granted at the time because in hindsight, I'm looking back at even people now in Facebook, on Instagram, you see how unsupportive people can be. And I'm like, oh, wow, I, I never really encountered that. Yeah, but maybe it was yeah. because I sort of kept it to myself that I didn't almost give people the opportunity to say anything. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose, you know, if you didn't kind of talk to all of your friends about it, then they didn't 
have that chance to give you their opinion I suppose. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and yeah. I'm always one to sort of trust my gut and I've been in a really dreadful job before where I knew I didn't like it and, and that was my gut being like this is wrong and whatever feeling I had about this consultancy it was right so I was like I know the the, the difference between the good and bad feelings now because I've experienced both and this is definitely on the good scale so that I, I don't know if you've read that book by Elizabeth Gilbert Big Magic yeah I have yeah yeah and I mean I did roll my eyes at some of it sort of when she kissed that woman and an and idea transferred I was like okay that's a little bit yeah too I know <laughs> that was one of the bits that was a, a little bit perhaps too out there for me as well to be fair yeah yeah and maybe it happened I have no idea but I just liked the idea that she said you don't think of the ideas there there's lots of ideas sort of floating around in the world and they cling to people and I thought if somebody else has it like if that idea clings on to somebody else I'll be so annoyed and that's like that was almost a little bit of my driving force that I thought no I, I obviously really want to do it if that's the feeling that I'm getting yeah that's, um, a, that's a really good way of kind of looking at it actually is, yeah you know would you be happy for someone else to sweep in and, and do it or mm. would you be upset so yeah that's a really good way yeah. of kind of working out whether that's the right path I guess yeah and you're like if if you'd be happy for somebody else you're like no 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 that's right for them then maybe it isn't right for you but no I just knew it was yeah it was weird actually in hindsight it's hard to try and explain but you know and you just sort of go with it and it it felt right yeah yeah no that's all you kind of need to know I guess yeah (laughs) yeah so was it hard to leave your kind of well the safety of full-time employment because I obviously it has many advantages (laughs) Yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I come from a slightly different point of view to a lot of people who are out there at the moment in the fact that I love my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I loved everybody that I worked with. And I'm still friends with them now. I got paid well. Um, my journey was long. I was sort of an hour and a half in and an hour and a half out. But I always use that time to, you know, read books or watch documentaries or Netflix or whatever it might be so it was it was a long journey but it was an easy journey um so apart from that I was fine you know but I I still had this thing that was telling me to leave which was a bit confusing and I it took me sort of that nine months to actually figure it out what it was that I wanted to do I just had this gut feeling that was saying it's time to move on um and yeah I think by reading all these books and seeing other people online what they were doing I just kept writing everything down and I I can talk really easily but I struggled to write things down so I hired a copywriter and her name's Charlotte from Media Lux I don't know if you know her uh yes yeah I do I follow her on Instagram she's incredible like if you need a copywriter I would definitely recommend her And I sort of went and met her and I dumped all these notebooks on the table. And I was like, this is my business plan. (laughs) It was just sort of every brain dump that I could imagine. And she was kind of going through them. And she said, you do realise all these things say the same thing just over and over and over again. I was like, oh, do they? And she said, yeah, you know, you've you've got a really clear plan. You just can't uh, sort of concisely wrap it up into sentences. And I was like, yes, that's why I've hired you. This is what I need help with. I think it's and really... she went away and did it. 
Yeah, I think it's really important to recognise the things that we're good at and the things perhaps that we need a little bit of help with and that it's okay to kind of outsource these things if you feel like someone else will do a better job. Yeah, I mean, I would never, ever, ever have got to where I was if I wasn't for her. Kaylee doing my website, Sophie doing my photos, you know, I'm very self-aware of what I can and can't do Mm. in all aspects, really. You know, I just know that that's where my uh, skills end and I need to pass it on. And I kind of also value my own time. You know, I have a look at what I charge a day and I think, well, I could be earning that. So people have this misconception that if they do it themselves, it's free. But it's not. (laughs) You know, you could be earning money elsewhere whilst paying somebody else to do a better job than you can. Yeah, 100%. I would much rather do that. Yeah, I remember listening to a Jenna Kutcher um, podcast episode uh, where Mm. she talked about outsourcing or delegating. Um, There was a whole episode on it. And Mm. this is exactly what she said. And it's kind of very much stuck with me because, um, yeah, you're absolutely right that you can be doing something kind of more valuable and hopefully earning more money whilst somebody else does the little things that you, you know, you don't have time for perhaps. Yeah, or that you're just not very good at. (laughs) I'm not very good at writing. Uh, I'm not good at taking photos. I mean, it's a bit of a joke within my friends that they never ask me to take a photo because I'll make them look fat or ugly or both. (laughs) (laughs) So why would I do that? You know, I'll just get somebody else to do it for me. I was in a privileged position that I had a full-time job to be able to pay for those things. Yeah. Um, But, you know, even now, whilst I'm earning myself, I it's harder now that I don't have that income to be able to outsource things, but I know that that's got to me where I am now, so I need to carry on doing it. Yeah, the values kind of definitely outweighs the financial kind of... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, input. Mm. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about slow fashion and the benefits of manufacturing mm-hmm. in the UK, and I know that's something that you've kind of talked about on your kind of social media channels... Um, And it seems to me that more and more people are not only wanting to support smaller kind of local independent brands, but they're also looking to shop ethically and, you know, want to support eco-friendly brands. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see a rise in this kind of type of fashion? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I did a podcast recently with Joanne from Arnold and Bird, and we were talking about the Living Coral Pantone and how it's all sparked from David Attenborough's Blue Planet effect. And people's actions are going to change this year. So last year, people's mindsets have changed and they're all like, they understand why it's wrong. And I'm, I'm one of these people, without a doubt, that I might buy a fair trade banana, for example, but then I'll go and buy a pair of socks from the market. I I don't know, just as an example, you know. So it's like I'm trying and some of my purchases are ethically aware and sustainable, but then other times I kind of either forget or I've got no money and I just need to go somewhere a little bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm trying. Yeah, I think that's And I think a lot of people are in that mindset of somewhere in the two at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a massive challenge, actually, particularly if you don't feel like you've got that um, disposable income to go and spend on ethical fashion. Um, like yeah. I say, it's, it's not always accessible to everyone because it is ex- more expensive. And I think that's, you know, it's not, it's, well, it's it's just how it is. 
So yeah, it's, it's... and it, I'm working with this girl at uni, and she's sort of a friend of a friend of a friend, but she actually wrote a really cool article on my blog, which we could maybe link, and it's sort of about is sustainable fashion for the wealthy, and it was really interesting. When she sent it over to me, I put it onto my website straight away. I was like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I've had quite a lot of engagement on that, and at the moment, I think it probably is. It probably is for the wealthy, and or the, not even the wealthy, sort of, the people who can afford it if you like but it's I mean I've even read this article this morning about sustainability in supplier supplier relations Mm -hmm. I think it was and Gap and Adidas have come out on top which is incredible considering Gap got absolutely slated about 15 years ago for not doing that so they've completely turned themselves around and Primark was really high up there and I think Primark get a really bad rap because they're so cheap but what people might not understand is that they they don't necessarily fit things which is fine but it doesn't affect quality in a way um they might use cheaper fabrics but they buy enormous enormous volumes sort of tenfold what you might expect from somebody like Topshop Mm -hmm. and they also take a margin that's maybe half of what Topshop take and they do pass on that saving to the consumer yeah so I think people automatically assume that if something's cheaper it's less ethical but that's not the case there's a whole there's so many things that can affect it and the other person that came out really really badly was Skechers and they're quite expensive you know, yeah. and I think that there isn't a direct correlation between price and uh, sustainability. I think it's if it's something that you're interested in, it's probably worth going to have research and read up about it and see. Because somebody like Primark, they don't shout about the fact that they're sustainable because they're so huge that they can't 100% guarantee that every single step of the process is perfect. And people like the Daily Mail would maybe love to tear them down. So they do it behind the scenes, but just don't shout about it. And it's the same with sort of Georgia Asda, Next. They're all doing it, but people just love to hate somebody, I think, in the media. Mm. Um, So Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. And what about um, the different types of materials and fabrics I guess um I know that cotton got a lot of uh bad <laughs> yeah buttering after yeah. the doodly thing yeah yeah but then there I think there's I watched this other thing recently as you can tell I'm a bit obsessed with retail <laughs> um the Mary Portas what people bought in 2018 yeah and she interviewed somebody at H&M who obviously have their conscious collection and there's there's two main things I guess or or three actually one is the fact of being ethical so that's more about how people get paid and the way it's made one is sustainability so how are you sourcing these fabrics and how are you going to get longevity out of that and then the third one is like organic and using things that have been made in an ethical way so there is crossover between the three things um but you could be ethical but not sustainable or you could be sustainable and not ethical so when brands come to me and they're like oh I want to be ethical I'm like what what do you see as that that is such a broad term now 
overlaps a lot of different areas of the industry and sometimes people are like I don't know I just feel like I should say it <laughs> I'm like yeah that's absolutely fine but let's go into a little bit more about what's most important to you is it how cotton's produced for example and do you want to reduce the water wastage on that is that important to you or is it more the fact that the people making it are paid really well and looked after or is it you know something completely different so I think these words are kind of bandied around, but actually we need to educate ourselves a little bit more about what they mean. Yeah, 100%. And I know I yeah. think there's a website, isn't there, where you can find kind of yes. the um, different brands are listed. Yeah, I can't think what it's called now, but maybe we can link it yeah. afterwards. we'll link in the show notes. Um, yeah, but that's a really good way of going to check and they kind of break it down as well about efficacy or sustainability mm-hmm. and then whatever seems most important to you then you can base your decision on that yeah perfect yeah we'll link to that in the show notes then um yeah I wanted to kind of switch um topics a little bit and talk about connecting with your consumer because I know obviously um as you help small brands that's definitely something that you know comes up um mm do you feel like we need to share our story in order to create a successful brand or can we create a a fashion brand that doesn't necessarily need to have that personal kind of story behind it? Um, Well, I actually did a talk about this the other day and one of the questions was, the market is so saturated, how am I going to stand out? And 100% it is oversaturated. There's no denying that. But what will make people buy from you is some sort of human connection I think I think that's the future of retail is building a human connection with people and people are I personally do this already you know I sort of boast about staying off of Instagram for a day or two days you know and it's the digital detox thing and people are craving this human connection and an easy way to do that is by telling a human story you know a personal story something that you've not been through you know it doesn't have to be like an x-factor style sob story it can just be something as simple as I don't know like just as an example this is a bit off topic but going back to Charlotte from Media Lux we just connected over the fact that we both had cats Mm -hmm. and it was something really simple but it was a conversation starter And then I found out that she was a copywriter and then we were talking so much that she then understood my tone of voice to be able to then write my copy for me on my website. And so I think it's just giving people a tiny bit of yourself just as a carrot to be able to start a conversation. So I recently ran this Instagram challenge, if you like, I kind of hate that word, but it was 19 facts in 2019 and anybody that's done it has said oh it started so many conversations and it was just nice that people understand there's a person behind that brand and people feel like when they're starting out that they've got to compete with the likes of Topshop and Zara but you don't there's a reason why people come to independent brands and it is the fact that they want to buy they're a person and they want to buy from another person So in all your copy and everything, you should be saying, I make this or I do this or I've sourced this or I wrote this. Not we did this. 
if it's just you, why are you writing we? You know, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> it, to be proud of the fact it's you. You know, you've created this amazing business all on your own. Say it, take the full 100% credit for that and people will respect you a lot more. And just about being honest, you know, if you're saying we, you're, you're sort of deceiving your customer a little bit from the offset. So, and even when you write the about us page or about me page, you know, if it is just you, don't write it in the third person like Elizabeth has done this. I I did this, you know, Be I think you need to take a little bit of pride in what you're doing. And it's hard because it can feel a little bit boastful but it shouldn't be boastful if you have actually done it <laughs> you know if, yeah. if it's there yeah. in front of your face and you've created that tell people yeah. and I, th- I, I think you'll be surprised at how much that can make an effect on your sales yeah I think you're right in the sense that it can feel a little bit boastful or I think people generally struggle to talk about themselves um in whatever kind of capacity and I think that comes across uh, a lot of the time perhaps or just putting yourself out there online can be quite kind of overwhelming and it can feel a bit scary I guess because you just don't know what people's reaction is going to be Um, Mm. and it might be that you initially write it in the third person so you can say Elizabeth has started a fashion consultancy and she has uh, 12 years experience in the fashion industry as an example but then you can change it go back and just change it like I have I've mm-hmm, done this mm-hmm. so it might be easier to write it in the third person and then go back and change it rather than start from the point of I yeah yeah it might flow yeah yeah mm. yeah cool okay so um I wanted to ask you what you think are the challenges that um someone who is setting up a new fashion brand might face kind of today I guess because I suppose that would have been different a long time ago um but today (laughs) with kind of social media and as you say the market being relatively saturated um I imagine it's quite hard to um break through all of that yeah And I do think, going back to the story, a story is your own. And I know Lola Hode always says, you know, what is it that she says? You are you and that's your power or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's very true. And say I sold white T-shirts and you sold white T-shirts. And I always use this example, so apologies if you've heard it before. But mine have 10% going to a period poverty charity but yours has been used using organic cotton and sustainably sourced and we had a hundred customers between the two of us or potential customers and I'd probably get 30% of you and you'd get 30% of them and the, the other ones would drift off and that's absolutely fine because not everybody's your customer but you want to be connecting with your customer and selling to the people who believe in what you believe which is this Simon Sinek theory and he's got a book called start with why and if you start from a point of why you're doing it then you'll hook people in straight away and it doesn't really matter what you sell you're selling to people who believe in what you believe so if some people believe in supporting period poverty they're going to buy my t-shirt to represent their own belief And if some people believe in supporting sustainability and ethically sourced materials, they'll buy your T-shirt because they'll believe what you believe. Mm -hmm. However, if I sold plant pots or you sold plant pots, the exact same one, it doesn't really matter what you're selling. It's the belief and the reason why you're doing it that will cut through the noise 
to be able to make people think, yes, I believe in you and I want to buy from you and I want to support you for my own personal beliefs. Because people and consumers are kind of quite selfish and that's fine. That's how we are in 2019. But you're not going to buy something out of pity for somebody else, for example. You know, like, oh, she's started a brand. I should try and support her. You know, you buy it because you like it. You want to wear it. You want to tell people about it. And you want to look good in it. So you want to be able to tell somebody else's story through a purchase. And one of the um, digital marketing trends of 2019 was using micro-influencers. So maybe you can work with people who have somewhere in between the region of like one and 10,000 followers on Instagram. And those, say you pick 10 people who believe what you believe, and then you get all of those people to tell your story for you. You've then reached sort of up to 100,000 people using these micro-influencers. Yeah. And I'd say that's one of the a really important way to put yourself out there is using influencers and you don't have to use these big ones you know use people who are kind of on the same level as you or a little bit further ahead than you and it's much easier to be able to build a collaboration that way rather than thinking you've got to go after somebody who's got millions of followers and demands payment yeah and I suppose Um, in that way it's more authentic as well yeah yeah definitely and my friend Catherine she runs future retail and she says it's like starting a fire when you start a brand you know you just start small and let it grow and keep adding things to the fire to make it grow and build and you know get bigger so if you use that analogy of your business just start small you know get your friends to tell their friends about it I think some people just forget that you know (laughs) you've got a whole community of your own and then who do those people know who do those people know and just grow sustainably I think people try and be too big too soon Mm -hmm. and then when that doesn't work they'll give it up if you've got a reason why you're doing it that will sort of transpire through your business and just grow slowly and I think that's how it will last um yeah yeah I think that's it yeah (laughs) great and I know that you've mentioned um self-doubt being kind of prominent in the fashion industry um Mm. would you like to kind of expand on that a little bit yeah so I mean anybody that knows me knows that I had this dreadful job at Arcadia um but everyone says you know oh how was it and I, I I've never ever met anybody who doesn't work there anymore that liked it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure they're out there maybe but I've never come across somebody and there is sort of this scare factor in the office and that's just one example I mean I know lots of people who've had awful experiences but you learn from it I think as long as you don't take it and become a victim learn from it and move on and just be the bigger person and it's actually one of the driving factors behind my business is that I want to be able to introduce a little bit of friendliness back into fashion you know when you're starting out I know so many brands now who have said they've sat on Google for hours and there's nothing out there because people in the industry just don't really want to share what they've learned yeah 
on the whole, you know, I'm not I'm making sort of sweeping statements here, but on the whole, people don't really share what they know. It's a very grey industry of what goes on behind the scenes. And I thought, what if I could be somebody who has all the knowledge and is quite a nice person, I like to think, <laughs> that will share it? And maybe there's a little bit of a niche there that nobody's kind of done that before because there's nice people, you know, like your mum and your friends, but they can't help you. They'll support you, but they won't give you the advice or the knowledge or the contacts that you need. And then there's people who have all of those things but aren't necessarily that friendly. Um, I mean, they don't need to be. Why should they help you? There's nothing in it for them. Um, So how about... I? bridge the gap between the friendliness and the fashion knowledge and help people and that's kind of what I've tried to be doing these past few months yeah and you seem Um, to be doing a lot of that um with the kind of content you're writing and all that kind Mm. of stuff yeah and there's I've actually wrote a blog post as well about sort of how to come overcome self-doubt because I know it is really really rife in creative people Um, so I'll run through a couple of the tips one of them is write down your thoughts and then read them out loud to yourself because if you say it out loud it is brutal what goes on inside your head and it's there's some sort of healing thing about saying it out loud you're like no that's not true and that can almost just cut it out there and then if it doesn't you think okay would I say it to a child And again, probably not because they'd burst into tears and it would be really horrible. Um, You know, and you think of a child who walks if they fail, which they do. You just say, oh, come on, get back up again, try again. You wouldn't go, oh, you're an idiot, you're you're a failure. (laughs) You know. Um, So have a think about if you'd say those things to a child. Um, And then just say stop each time you hear it coming and acknowledge what you're saying you're like no and see if there's a pattern because there probably will be a pattern and try and um, get a bit of a bird's eye view on your own thoughts and see what the patterns are so there's probably a theme that um, I'm not worth charging that or I didn't train Uh, I don't have a degree in design so how can I call myself a designer Um, so those are just two examples but if you see those thought patterns going round in a circle just try and um short circuit that thought process going round over and over again yeah, yeah. um I think it's and quite... just surround yourself with people who will help you do those things yeah I think it's quite common for the kind of um doubts that you've kind of mentioned they're quite common for most creatives or probably most mm. people <laughs> They'll probably come yeah. up every now and then because um, I think when we kind of talk to other creatives as well, we realise that so much of our, so much of what we worry about is kind of, well, everybody else feels the same way, I guess. Um, yeah. So it's, you're not it could alone be a designer in that. Or yeah. A photographer, you know. Yeah. So what if you don't have a degree in photography? Yeah. I've got a degree in fashion buying, but I'm not a fashion buyer anymore. Um, because I didn't really like it (laughs) in all honesty you know there was no purpose to it for me my you know I couldn't see my own personal values going forward in that career so it doesn't matter I, I mean I just can't express this enough it doesn't matter what you're trained in it's your skill 
that's the most important thing and I know you're a photographer and I think you must see this a lot in other creative people that I think if you're an academic there's a right or wrong answer you're good at maths or you're not sort of thing you know but how can you there's no way of judging whether you're a good photographer or not because it's subjective yeah absolutely and I think that's where creative people kind of get lost is that there's no measure to how good you are it's Mm. um maybe it is based on what other people say to you you know you're oh that's amazing and you can get hyped up in that way which is why I think it's so important to surround yourself with people who support you and if you've got a friend who doesn't you know sometimes I speak to people and they go oh I've got this friend and she said this to me but she's really nice she's really nice and I'm like yeah she might be nice but she's not supporting you she's not being nice to you so maybe limit the time that you're spending with that person and mm-hmm. maybe I don't know I just think surrounding yourself with people who are behind you can really help you in a creative industry yeah definitely yeah and on that kind of positive note um <laughs> what are your plans and goals for the coming year um to be honest I'm not a very good planner <laughs> and I was actually listening to this other podcast the other day about planning and productivity and I just thought oh god I've not even thought about it I've got a few goals in mind like one of them is obviously just to carry on doing what I'm doing and focus on making that a success and growing my network as wide as possible um meeting lots of new people I'm trying to meet one new person a week that's one of my resolutions oh that's a good um, one yes um sort of writing down my resolution last year was to write down three positive things that have happened every single day regardless of how small um you know I managed to brush my teeth twice you know morning and night or um the sun shone for an hour or my breakfast was really tasty or the fact I even made time to have breakfast and I'm going to carry on doing that because I think the more positivity you recognize the more open you are to receive more of that so yeah they're quite loose things but I'm open to seeing what happens this year yeah, I think it's quite nice to keep um, a list of all the kind of small wins um, on mm. a kind of daily basis. It's something that's been kind of mentioned recently and something that I think I'll try and incorporate into my kind of daily routine. Uh, because like yeah. you say, I think it's it's putting you in that positive frame of mind. Yeah, I do it before I go to bed. I've got this tiny little book that I keep in my bedside table and my boyfriend's always like what are you writing in today I'm like none of your business (laughs) I just thought it's for me you know I just like and then you kind of go to sleep on a positive note as well so if you are one of these people that kind of goes to sleep worrying it's a nice way to end the day of just focusing on the positive things that have happened that day if you try and do it weekly it's harder to remember the tiny things that's true you know sometimes it might be just like some kids laughing on the bus you know some little toddlers that are giggling and just think oh that's really cute or I I don't know even the tiniest things I think if the more you notice the more you start seeing other positive opportunities that can arise yeah yeah definitely um so to kind of finish off I ask all of my guests two questions um Mm -hmm. what's a favorite book that you've recently read and would recommend 
Oh, um, I'm actually, I got one book for Christmas, which I'm halfway through called The Magic. And it's the follow on to The Secret. So oh, yeah. it's a little bit woo woo. <laughs> um, but it's just focusing it kind of on the positivity thing, but it focuses more on gratitude and just being thankful for the things that uh, have happened. Again, it doesn't matter how small. And I do that in the evenings as well. And that's actually a little bit harder because you have to write down 10 things that you've been grateful for every day. Um, but it's quite challenging, but in a positive way. So I think it's good if you've read The Secret and you want to learn how to um, execute it in real yeah. life. Mm, sounds yeah. good. And who would you like to hear interviewed on the podcast? Oh, um, let me have a think. Uh, I know my best business bud I'm going to nominate her she's called Emma at Bowtie and she sells these really beautiful luxury bow ties for men and kind of makes them feel as special as the bride and get as many compliments as the bride and I think it's quite cool what she's doing it the way she's doing it she uses sort of vintage materials so that she um doesn't sort of contribute to buying new fabric all the time. Mm -hmm. She uses like vintage prints and she's sort of a huge supporter of independent brands. I mean, I've never met anybody who is so supportive of independent brands and she's my go-to person when I'm feeling a bit low or down. I can guarantee that she'll make me laugh. So amazing. Yeah. She's a good inspiration for somebody who wants to make a success of their own business for sure oh perfect thank you for that yeah and where can people find you so I'm on Instagram most of the time (laughs) Elizabeth Styles UK and Styles is S-T-I-L-E-S and uh, my website's elizabethstyles.co.uk perfect thank you so much for your time today oh thank you so much for having me Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be really grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can enjoy this podcast too. I'll see you next week.